This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 24th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. Obamacare's promise was to lower costs, allow you to keep your health plan, and provide better care all around. A year later, some health insurance markets have evaporated, and states are requesting waivers to escape Obamacare's mandates. At a half-day conference on Obamacare Monday, Cato's Michael Cannon ran through some of the policy problems the new health care law contains. Before this law even cleared Congress, voters in Massachusetts took what was for Massachusetts uh, the very distasteful step of electing a Republican to the U.S. Senate in order to try to stop this law. 38 states had introduced and two states had enacted legislation that was intended to block it before it, was pa- before it passed Congress. In the years since uh, this is, uh, Obamacare has become law, and I should mention parenthetically, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of people don't like the term Obamacare. They consider it pejorative. I use it. I don't consider it to be pejorative. And, and if the law is a huge success, I think the president will ultimately thank me for calling it that. Uh, but in the years since Obamacare was enacted, three additional states have enacted laws trying to block it, and two states have amended their state constitutions in the hope of blocking this law. 28 states have filed, uh, filed lawsuits in federal court alleging that this that Obamacare violates the U.S. Constitution, half of them within hours of the signing ceremony. Individual citizens have filed another two dozen lawsuits uh, challenging the law. Many of, them are, many of these lawsuits are frivolous, but two of them are not because two federal courts so far in these cases have declared all or part of Obamacare to be unconstitutional. Opposition to the law contributed heavily to uh, sweeping Republican gains in the 2010 elections. The House, soon thereafter, voted to repeal Obamacare. Uh, 21 governors have threatened not to implement it. At least four states have frozen, returned, or refused the federal funds it offers them. And two governors have flatly refused to implement the law. Now, despite assurances uh, that Americans would come to like the law uh, once they found out what's in it, familiarity has bred contempt. Public opinion shifted uh, against this law the moment the first draft of Obamacare was introduced in Congress in June of 2009, and a plurality or majority of the American public has opposed it ever since. Among likely voters, the opposition is even greater. Opposition leads support by 20 points. The, the law's supposed beneficiaries are among the, most, the groups most hostile to the law. Senior citizens... Uh, who are some of those early beneficiaries, uh, in a recent poll, um, opposed the law by a 12-point margin. And small businesses, uh, also some of the early beneficiaries, uh, are suing, uh, are one among the groups that are suing so far successfully to overturn Obamacare. Why, so why is this happening? Why so much opposition? Well, I think that uh, there are a number of reasons. A lot of Americans believe that, as we heard from our, our, our keynote speaker, believe that Obamacare claims a power that Congress should not have and does not have, and that's the power to force people to purchase a private product. Um, the, and the idea that Congress's power to regulate so- commerce somehow includes the power to compel commerce just doesn't sit well with the structure and purpose of the Constitution. I think other Americans see Obamacare as a barrier, not an enabler, uh, uh, to more affordable, better health care. Massachusetts passed a similar law in 2006, and that's led to rising costs, adverse selection, modest coverage gains, questionable health effects, longer waits to see a doctor, and has even opened the door to government rationing. And lest anyone doubt, that is how uh, this law purports to pay for half of the trillion dollars of new federal spending uh, under Obamacare is by rationing care to seniors in the Medicare program. 
Consumer protection, the, the provisions in this law that are uh, called consumer protections really aren't consumer protections. They're regulations that can hurt as much or as more as they can help. For example, there's a mandate that employers who provide dependent uh, coverage to their workers' dependents have to provide it to dependents up to the age of 26. That increases the cost of dependent care coverage and has led at least one employer, uh, a, a, a union local in New York, to drop coverage for 6,000 dependents. Uh, a mandate that was supposed to expand coverage for dependents had the opposite effect in, in, in this case, uh, leaving those dependents without health insurance. The uh, provisions in this law that are supposed to expand coverage for pre-existing conditions are not consumer protections. They're actually price controls, where the government says that whether a uh, a, a, an enrollee of a given age is healthy or sick, you have to charge them the same premiums as everyone else their age. Um, what the government is effectively doing is dictating that the insurance companies have to charge healthy people more than they would in a competitive marketplace so that they can charge sick people less than they would in a competitive marketplace and controlling the prices in that manner. The problem with price controls is that they always, cause, they always fail, they always cause human misery, and the reason is because they don't change the economic reality underlying market prices. They just encourage people to ignore uh, that underlying economic reality. The worst case scenario under these supposed consumer protections is that the market will implode. And we've already seen that happen in many, in uh, about 20 states where the, where these price controls have been applied to health insurance uh, with, uh, for children. The child-only health insurance markets have vanished in 20 states, and another 14, I think, states have seen insurers leave those, uh, leave that market. The best case scenario under these price controls is that the market erodes slowly as consumer, as insurers compete to ignore the sick. When you have these price controls in place and consumers have a choice of health plans, the sickest people will gravitate toward the most comprehensive plans. This is, excuse me, a process called adverse selection. And those plans, as researched by some of President Obama's own economic advisors shows, uh, those plans, the most comprehensive plans, disappear. In order to prevent that from happening, insurers actually compete to avoid the sick, not because they're evil or greedy or anything like that, but because that is what these price controls reward. That is what official policy rewards. Uh, if they find a way to avoid, dump, or mistreat the sick, then their bottom line improves. So you... Uh, at, and there are examples of this happening in places where, uh, in, in uh, markets and even health insurance exchanges, such as the Federal Employees Health Benefits Program, where people with high-cost medical conditions have run into this problem, when, where insurers are dropping benefits precisely because they know that the sickest people uh, value those benefits and will go to another insurance company and bring down their competitor's bottom line, uh, rather than uh, that insurance company's bottom line. These, this, uh, these price controls don't give sick people the security of access to care that comes with an, with an enforceable contract, nor the freedom to purchase insurance from uh, insurers who are competing for their business, which is what they would do in a free and competitive marketplace. So instead, we're making a these uh, price controls make access to care less secure, as well as destroy innovations. In, uh, and we, we've seen this happen already in North Carolina. Uh, several months ago, there were, uh, there were news reports, and the White House was touting this as a success of the law, that a uh, North Carolina insurer was giving uh, refunds to its enrollees as a result of Obamacare. What was actually happening was they were dipping into a pot of money that was set aside to pay the medical bills of the sick for the sick uh, as, a, as a result of an innovation in insurance called guaranteed renewability, and they were giving that money intended for the sick to largely healthy people. They were, this law has actually rated, uh, uh, rated funds that were intended for sick people to give them to healthy people, and we call this a consumer protection. 
In uh, 2014, when these price controls go market-wide, those are the incentives that all sick people in this country are going to face. And uh, as a final note on consumer protections, consumers, employers, and entire states are asking HHS, the Department of Health and Human Services to waive these supposed consumer protections, which raises the question uh, of whether they're consumer protections at all. Uh, the, these folks are begging for protection from the consumer protections. Uh, I the, uh, Obamacare is uh, no more going to improve the quality of care than it is going to uh, uh, protect, uh, than, these, than these consumer protections are going to protect patients. Uh, as Kavita mentioned, most of the provisions that are supposed to improve the way we deliver health care in the United States were not specified in the law. Basically what happened was we created a center for uh, Medicare and Medicaid innovation where uh, that is going to run pilot programs, experiment with different ways of setting the prices and different uh, financial incentives, different terms of exchange to see if providers will pro uh, deliver care that's more coordinated so that doctors will actually talk to each other about the care they're providing to a shared patient. Um, there, are other, uh, there are other innovations, uh, but let's just talk about this one. The, the problem with these pilot programs uh, and this approach for reforming healthcare is that it has, we have tried it and it has never worked. Medicare has been trying pilot programs for its entire existence, and either those pilot programs fail, or if they succeed in either reducing, uh, improving the quality of care, reducing the cost of care, they are blocked by the in, by the uh, the corners of the healthcare industry whose income streams those innovations threaten. The low quality providers or or, or the high cost providers who will see Medicare revenues uh, delivered someplace else. So uh, uh, under lobbying pressure, these, these pilot programs are eliminated. There was a, an article in the most recent issue of health, the journal Health Affairs that polled physicians in Switzerland and asked them, what would it take in order for you to provide more coordinated care than what you're providing right now? To join into sort of the accountable care organizations that are discussed um, um, in this law. Uh, and the, the, the Swiss doctors said that they would want a 40% raise before they uh, took these steps to improve the quality of care. That's the sort of resistance that you're going to see uh, to these pilot programs. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can watch the full forum at Cato.org.